0: and Sister Beckton here to minister to us again. Our hearts were moved this morning and I pray that tonight as Brother Beckton comes to minister and later continues with the communion service that we will truly allow God to do what he wants to do in our hearts. I think the work was begun this morning in a wonderful way as we opened our lives. Brother Glass has been ministering to us morning after morning. He has been stirring our hearts. And then this morning, Brother Beckton was so wonderfully used of God. Now tonight, why don't we just open our hearts all the way and let God do what He longs to do. There's no telling what could happen in this service tonight. And I know we're hungry. I know we're thirsty. Praise the Lord. Let's let God do what He wants to do. Why don't we praise Him right now for what He's going to do in this service? Praise the Lord. We rejoice in Thee, Lord. We rejoice in Thee. We praise You for what You're going to do in our service tonight. Something special is going to happen here. We know it, Lord. And we thank you for it. And let us be open and ready. Lord, let that happen in my own heart. May that be our prayer tonight. In Jesus' name. And how happy we are to have Brother Becton. Please come and open your heart to us, Brother Becton. Thank you again, Brother Sism. The Lord bless you. You may be seated. What a wonderful atmosphere for this particular type of service tonight, that is, the partaking of the emblems of the bread and the fruit of the vine in the Lord's Supper, and uh, we, we always look forward to this time with our missionaries in the School of Missions. This is a great, a great work, the work of the Lord is just unending, and I want to commend uh, the Foreign Missions Division for their beautiful service they had at General Conference this year. To me, it was the best. And uh, Vedicism did a tremendous job in ministering, as well as everyone who participated. It was a tremendous spirit. Beautiful, beautiful spirit that ended with a challenge and young people coming around the altar and and some that I knew personally was being touched And I knew others were being touched. It was a great service, and I think you'll be pleased to know that uh, the format of the general conference is going to be changed beginning next year. The uh, first uh, night's service will be uh, Thursday night with the Harvest Time Song Fest, and Friday night, Saturday, Sunday, your service will be in the middle of the conference instead of at the end. Praise God. And, <laughs> right, uh, and then there will be no business until Monday. And uh, so uh, we trust that that will benefit everybody, but especially, of course, the Foreign Mission Service, who has experienced in the last several years a lot of folks going home. So, uh, I knew you would be pleased to know that you already knew it but I just wanted to inform you that it was really a, a situation that was changed there will not be a tuesday evening service the business session will on tuesday will go until it is finished and then we'll uh, uh, all go home together praise god so it's a great it's a great work and we're constantly looking for better ways and uh, greater ways to enhance the work of the Lord. And I know you are doing that wherever you are laboring. Praise the Lord. So let's uh, let's have a great time in the, not only this service tonight, but as the School of Missions continues throughout this week. I'm very, very sorry that uh, I will not be able to stay longer than in the morning. I am so pleased that I will be able to hear by the glass uh, this time last year, by the glass Neither looked well nor felt well, but he looks great, and he acts like he feels great. And uh, I just just so thoroughly enjoy hearing Brother Glass. His district superintendent, Brother Tenney, told me that uh, he uh, spoke at their men's meeting the best he had ever heard him. And uh, so I quickly said, get me the tape. And I got the tape, Brother Glass. And it was a tremendous, a tremendous message. I, I'm amazed how the Lord inspires this man with such great wisdom and knowledge and a great ministry. Praise God. So I look forward to hearing him tomorrow. And uh, it's it's just wonderful to be with you. And Brother Sism, again, such a great Foreign Missions Director, Brother Judd, uh, he is... So unique and his responsibility so so great, a man is almost become. <laughs> uh, uh, well, uh, a statement of mine. He he really should be the general secretary. <laughs> 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 uh, well, the road said we can't have him, but his mind, you know, is so keen uh, along all of these things. However, I enjoy being a general secretary. <laughs> <laughs> Praise God. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I know I know, he isn't, but I, I feel that way because of his abilities. I mean that sincerely, and I've said it before. Uh, then, of course, Brother Rodenbush he is so unique in his way and uh, carries on a tremendous responsibility and load. It's always a pleasure to be with, with he and his good wife and Brother and Sister Lehman. My, what would the missionaries do without the fine work of Brother Lehman in the deputational area, Brother and Sister Burke, uh, and on and on and on. Praise God. Hallelujah. And in parentheses, I'm glad my secretary is here. Praise God. I said this morning I didn't know why she was here. Well, I meant that, uh, you know. <laughs> uh, well, They was introducing all of the workers in the farm missions, and we knew why they was here. But anyway, praise God. <laughs> Mary, we're glad you're here. Hallelujah. Praise God. Well, You know, I'm not really a special occasion uh, minister, uh, and I don't know that this particular message tonight uh, is exactly the type of message that goes however anything you preach fits together. It is just uniquely beautiful in the way the Word of the Lord brings us together. So, uh, for just a little while tonight, and I don't want to speak lengthily, and then the the beautiful atmosphere that's here to partake of the Lord's Supper. Let's look in Mark, the ninth chapter. And again, I do appreciate the regional field supervisors, every one of them, and God bless them. It's been my privilege to be in several regional retreats and regional, sub-regional conferences, and I've thoroughly enjoyed being with each one of them. Mark, the ninth chapter. And let's read uh, or look at the twenty-eighth and twenty-ninth verses. And when he was come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, "Why could not we cast him out?" And he said unto them, "This kind can come forth by nothing, but by prayer." And fasting. The big question why could not we cast him out? This kind can come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. And let's pray. In the name of the Lord, we thank you tonight for this beautiful spirit, for everyone that is here, and we ask you now to direct us in the furtherance of this service. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen. This occasion was the last year of the Lord's earthly ministry, the last year. It was an incident that took place at the foot of what is called the Mount of Transfiguration. You know the story well. While Jesus was on the mountain with Peter, James, and John, and he was transfigured before them. So much was the greatness and glory that was there that Peter said, Let's stay. But when they went down from the top of that mountain, they noticed a great crowd had assembled, and they noticed that questions were being asked among that crowd. Finally, When they went closer, a man stepped out and uh, admitted that he was the cause of all the excitement. He had brought his son to be healed. He was a demon-possessed boy. Sometimes he cast himself into the fire, and sometimes he was caused to cast himself into the waters. Satan really wanted to destroy that boy. He was demon possessed. And the disciples had tried. They really had tried but they failed. The man said, I brought my boy to be healed. And uh, I took him to the disciples and they couldn't do anything. But Jesus healed him instantly. He cast the devil out of the boy. And immediately after this uh, incident of the casting out of the devil, he went into the house, and the disciples went in with him, and they asked the question, why could we not cast him out? Have you ever asked that kind of a question? Why couldn't I do that? Have you ever had that feeling of helplessness when you knew the Word of God promised so much and yet it didn't happen? I believe the disciples, though they were carnal in their thinking, I believe they really tried in their own way. And the answer to their question was this kind can come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. Could it be that the need of the boy, the demon-possessed boy, could it be that we could use him to represent the needs of the world? And then could it be that the disciples, in their helplessness, Could we use them to be representative of the church? Now, hold everything. I don't mean that the church is helpless. But we are really trying, but obviously in some instances, maybe in many instances, we're failing. Oh, not the church per se, but we individuals. What is the matter With us. There's three things in this story. First question, why? And the answer, this kind. And then, how? By nothing but prayer and fasting. I want you to notice that the disciples had been successful. They had gone out. They had preached. They had cast out devils. Amen. They were so successful on occasion that they became proud in their success. So it wasn't the fact that they hadn't ever done anything. They had done something. Their prior success had given them every reason to believe that they could do it again. They could do it again. They became perhaps a little overconfident. But there's a principle here that cannot be overlooked. There are levels of need. There are levels of need. Paul in Ephesians the sixth chapter said, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. What are we wrestling against then? Principalities? Against powers? Against the rulers of the darkness of this world? Against spiritual wickedness in high places. And then he wrote in Ephesians 2 and 2, the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Suppose on your way here to the school of missions, you saw a man lying by the side of the road. Now, This man could either be just sleeping soundly, or he could have suddenly taken sick with a heart attack, a cerebral hemorrhage, he was unconscious, or he could just be drunk. Now obviously, in order to help him, you would have to find out whether he was asleep or whether he had had a heart attack, or whether he was just drunk or whatever. If he was just asleep, you would just kind of nudge him and wake him up. If he was in a coma, no amount of nudging would get him out of that coma. If he was drunk, you still couldn't do much with him by just nudging him. You would help a person who had a flat tire on his car in a different way than if he had not made the curve and had turned over and over in his car down the side of a hill. Years ago, about the turn of the century, in the early 1900s, the people were just asleep. They were just in a state of apathy. Back in the early 1900s, there was no general denial of Christian truth. The Bible, as far as everybody was concerned, had no errors. It was the inspired Word of God. It may not have produced the living in the individuals like they should, but at least, for the most part, they stood in awe of the Word of God. So all that they needed back then, and years prior to that, was just a nudge. They were just filled with apathy. So somebody could preach a message and entitle it, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. And they would fill the altars. Or somebody could preach a message, Their feet shall slide in due time. And everybody would feel like they were sliding, and they would come running to the altar. Or somebody could preach a message and entitle it, The Unpardonable Sin. And everybody would feel like, I'm just about to commit it, and I'm going to run to that altar. And so they had great crowds, and great interest, and great revivals, because at that time, there wasn't a lot against the people, all they needed was an awakening, and by the hundreds they literally fell out in the aisle or held on to the seats in front of them until God got a hold of them and moved them out. They had no competitive entertainment. Going to church was it. They either went to see the show or be a part of the show. Amen. And those that were a part of the show really showed. And those that went to see the show, before they left, they became a part of the show. Amen. And sometimes now when we quit showing, they quit coming. Amen. But that's all they had to do in the early 1900s or before. They didn't have any place to go. Somebody would pitch a tent, here they'd come. They'd fill the hillside. They'd go everywhere and bring people in uh, to just get some excitement. And usually they ended up just really being a part of the excitement. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. But today it's not the same. The world is not just asleep. They're sick. They're drugged. They've had heart failure. They're unconscious. They're drunk. Amen. The problem is not apathy. It's not just a mere lack of concern, nor just a lack of interest. Amen. The very belief in God is virtually gone. The the authority of the Bible is no longer recognized. It's just a piece. Of literature, just like any other book. Satanism is around the world. If you've been listening to the radio, there must have been a program sometime this week uh, on a a prominent station, television, that had to do with Satanism. But we've got it right in Missouri, just coming up today. They're trying to find out how two calves happen to be uh, expertly. Uh, operated on, and their eyes taken out, and their tongue taken out. I- I'm telling you folks, we're in a day when Satanism and the lack of uh, respect for God is around the world. Jesus is just a good man, according to them. His deity is denied. His virgin birth is denied. The atoning death is denied. He's just a social reformer, a political agitator. Amen. Now, statistics say 10% of the delegates in the National Council of Churches deny the existence of God. 36% deny the deity of Jesus. 62% deny the miracles of the Bible. 77% deny the existence of the devil. 56% deny the virgin birth. 71% don't believe in life after death. These are religious people. 54% don't believe that Jesus rose again. 98%, 98% don't believe that He's coming back again. 39% don't believe in, their, in in the fact that there's a judgment. And on and on and on. Hey, the world is not just asleep. It's had a serious heart attack. Amen. And you're not going to handle the world today like it was handled when they were just asleep. Today's lifestyle, there's nothing wrong with anything, nothing immoral, just everything goes. Things which should never be mentioned are now dramatized before our very eyes, either on the newsstand or the newspaper or the the, the books we see or magazines that we read. This is an affluent day when people can get anything and everything they want. They have no interest in the higher things of life. Just eat, drink, and be be merry. Amen. And I want you to notice the progress of entertainment since 1900. I wasn't living back then. But they started out with silent movies. Amen. Somebody played the piano while the movie was being shown. Then they went from the silent movies to the black and white with sound. That attracted a bigger crowd. Then they went from the black and white to the technicolor. And from the technicolor and the theater, they went to the drive-in movies. Just come as you are. Then television in the home. Just making it more and more and more comfortable to be entertained. And so that crowd in the early 1900s that went to see the show in the Pentecostal services now had it conveniently in their homes and in a drive-in theater where they could just go dressed casually. And Satan has seen to it that today there is so much entertainment, so much. A few years ago, some of the people in Florida, when we were down there, took us to the Epcot Center. And I want you to know that that is some place. It, it, it boggled my mind when I saw the future, the things that was going to happen. We was only there a year, or rather an hour, an hour and a half, and felt like I was there many years. But to see all of that computerized stuff that they had and, and uh, things grabbing for you and oh it was i came out of there mentally exhausted and physically and emotionally drained and the first thought that hit me was this is a world that we are trying to reach amen we're trying to reach these people who are physically emotionally and mentally drained by the things that they are coping with in this world today Amen. Amen. And so Jesus said this kind can come forth by nothing but. Now, don't misunderstand me. The gospel will never lose its power. The blood still has its efficacy. It takes the same born-again experience. Amen. But there are certain things which are useless today when applied to this kind. Amen. Praise God. Amen. You could preach a message tonight on uh, uh, their feet shall slide in due time, and they wouldn't feel their feet sliding. You could preach sinners in the hands of an angry God, and they would laugh in your face because they don't even believe there's a God, much less an angry God. I'm telling you, folks, we're facing something. We really are. Hallelujah. There are certain things which are useless. I'm not talking about the power of God. I'm talking about the things that we one time depended on. But the power of God is regulated by the power that worketh through us. When you take a superficial view of the relationship between God and man, we would state that in order for the impossible to be made possible and the incredible to be accomplished, we would just have to wait until God was ready to move. But friend, God is always ready to move. The exercise of the power of God is dependent on us. The riches of His grace are always available. The storehouse of His divine supply is always open. If some people receive while others don't, it's because the people who receive take the trouble and the time to appropriate the power of God. God is able. There is no doubt about it. Praise God. Hallelujah. I'm not minimizing the power of God. Amen. But it's regulated. Ephesians 3 and 20 says, Now unto Him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. Mm. Praise God. Hallelujah. He's just the same today, but we're not. Amen. Unless we avail ourselves of His power and let it work through and in us. I am absolutely persuaded that before the manifestation of God will be exercised in us and through us, there must be a corresponding work of faith in our own hearts and lives. Praise God. Praise God. It has always been the providence of God to demand the cooperation of man before we can have the operation of God. Praise God. If He didn't require that, we would become lazy. Amen. If He just did everything that He knew to do, and I know He he knows what we have need of even before we ask, but if He would just do it, and we didn't have any part to play; we'd just be laying around on the flowery bed leaves. But because there has to be that power working in us, Amen. Then we've got to we've got to do something, Amen. We've got to cooperate with God. Hallelujah! It is becoming obvious that so many of the things which we have trusted in in the past are not working. And I'm still not referring to the power of God. But the Scripture said, It is not by might nor by power, but by my Spirit, saith the Lord. Hallelujah! Praise God! But by my Spirit, saith the Lord. Amen. Used to be you could uh, announce the revival and the people would come. Amen. The crowds would be there. And we used to have it every night, every night, every night, every night. I never will forget the first time the pastor said we're going to dismiss Monday night. Oh no. Hey, man. We thought, hey, everything you build up to Sunday would just be done away with. And then you'd have to start all over again. And now we've gotten down to where we just have the you know, the Friday, Saturday and Sunday. And uh, you know hey, Amen because people are just not interested. I'm not talking about saints of God, but I'm talking about the world. They're just not interested because they've got so many things to go to and so many things to do. Amen. And Jesus said, This kind. This kind. Now, you cast out devils, boys, but, hey, this kind. Amen. And we've had great revivals, saints, but this kind. Amen. What we're facing today even it's going to come forth by nothing but. But you have prayed and fasted, but you've got to do it more. He was in effect saying to the disciples, you did not have sufficient power. You were using the power that you had. You were very confident in it. You did it with great assurance. You were masters of the occasion. You thought you were going to see, succeed, but you didn't. And Jesus did, in a moment, what they couldn't do at all. And we've got to realize that however great this kind is, the power of God is infinitely greater. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. We've got to realize that we, what we need is not more knowledge, Not more understanding, not more apologetics, not more reconciliations of philosophies and science and religion and all the modern techniques. No, we need the old time, what we used to call conviction. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. But when you say conviction, it's got to go past all the outer veneer that's coating the minds and the hearts and the lives of individuals more so than it did years ago. I think conviction still works. I want to see revivals where people again will grip the seats in front of them with white knuckles. But they've got to go past all of Satanism and evolutionism and everything else that's in the world today. But the power of God is able through the power of conviction to get a hold of them. Wouldn't it be great to have revivals again where they're slain out in the aisle? Amen. And where they have to be carried home talking in tongues and they talk all night in tongues and all day long in tongues. Amen. It's still possible. But this kind. It's different than it was some years ago. Praise God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We've got to be confident that God has the power, the same power as much today as He had hundreds of years ago. Praise God, praise God. I believe He can do it. Amen. The word fasting in this passage of Scripture is not in all of the ancient manuscripts. And let me say that again. The word fasting, in this statement here, and he said unto them, This kind can come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. That word fasting is not in all of the ancient manuscripts. In some of the new versions, it's not even there. Now, I'm not denying fasting. I'm not downplaying fasting. I'm just simply saying that whoever added the the word fasting, if they added it from some original translations... They knew that in adding the word fasting, that it gave a greater significance to prayer than just by saying prayer. Because they, all through the Bible, you're going to read about praying. But by adding the word fasting, this meant a concentration of praying. It meant that your mind and your body was so solely given to praying That uh, in denying yourself of food, you were going to be so submitted to the act of real submission and prayer that it was this kind of prayer that was going to be necessary for this kind to come out. Amen. The now I lay me down to sleep kind is not going to get it done. Amen. And no kind of ritualistic praying is going to get it done. Now, I'm not opposed, and I use it. The outline the formula of the Lord's Prayer. I like it. I do it occasionally. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And I go through all the names. I like that. Amen. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. And I go through all of my family with thy will be done. Amen. That's wonderful. But you can get ritualistic in your praying. I want to get into that attitude of prayer where there is an intercession and a travailing. Let me hear again the moaning, the groaning in such words and ways that cannot be understood, but getting through bypassing the forces of evil. Amen. Getting to that man or that woman that is so filled with demons that they cannot lift up their heads, the power of God is able to give them deliverance. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Again, I'm not minimizing fasting. I'm just saying that it was not in some of the ancient manuscripts, but it was such a way of prayer that they couldn't describe it any other way but by adding fasting. That means do it. Do it. This kind cometh forth by nothing but by prayer and And fasting. Hallelujah. Hey, we're in a terrible day. Paul said, In the last days perilous times shall come. Perilous times shall come. Men will be lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. Yeah, he told us it would be. But the power of God is there. Let's don't be like the helpless disciples that couldn't do anything, clamoring for attention themselves and arguing over who was going to be the greatest and couldn't do what needed to be done to that boy. The power of God worked immediately and the boy was delivered. When Jesus came on the scene, it can happen that way. Many of you have seen it happen on your fields. I delight in hearing your testimonies of how things are happening. And it's got to be that way here in the States and everywhere. What I'm saying to you is that I am stirred to no end. Amen. I want to see the move of God that will take us beyond our helplessness. How many times have we been asked to pray for situations or individuals who were so desperately in need and when we prayed, nothing happened? Oh, why could we not do this? It's because we have not arrived at the sensitiveness or the place in our lives of consecration and devotion to God that we can be the instrument through which He can work. I have no uh, pride of wanting to be recognized. There's nothing within me, I pray, that is egotistical. I just want to see God work. Hallelujah! In the early days of revivals when we were evangelizing, I could preach and go back in the crowd and take hold of a person's hand and this one's hand and they'd come running to the altar just by beckoning to them. But it's not that way today. Their minds are cemented with things that are so opposed to God. Amen. But we've got got an answer. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There is an answer. There is a way. Praise God. That's the reason why I strongly believe in the gifts of the Spirit more than just tongues, interpretation, and prophecy. Amen. There are six others that ought to be added in with that. Amen. And we've got to lay claim hold on to. And when we yield ourselves into the gifts of the Spirit and the fruits of the Spirit and the moves of God, I believe there is no bastion and no wall that cannot crumble under the power of God. Hallelujah! And we can still sing, In the name of Jesus, there is power to set you free. In the name of Jesus, there is glorious victory. over sin, disease and sickness. Power to walk in liberty through faith in His wonderful name. Praise God. Praise, Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. 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 Woo! Praise God. Oh, how we need that power. We sing about it, we talk about it, and we testify about it. But we need it. Havan, the power, the wonder-working power of the living God. Heaven. Someone has said, I wonder how much could be done if no one desired the credit. Oh, we need to give Him all the glory and all the credit and all the honor and all the praise and all the worship. He can do more in a few seconds than you and I can do in a lifetime. Praise praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. 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 There's no hope until we do. But the moment we do, hope enters in. Hallelujah. Oh, when God manifests His power, it happens. Amen. As it happened in the case of this poor boy who was demon possessed, It can happen. It can happen. But it won't happen until that power that worketh in us equates to the situation and the power of God who is able to do all things. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. I want to see your works wherever you are grow so greatly that no building can contain the crowds. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise. Amen. Hallelujah. I want to be in your services when the glory of the Lord is working in such a marvelous manner that miracles of healing is taking place. I want to see that in all of our churches here in the North American continent. We've got to do it. We've got to break them away. There's a young man, there's a young man in the prison in Missouri who, through the acts of Satan, killed a convenience store man, his mother, and his dad, because he said Satan told him to do it. He is in prison and is to be executed. And they tell me, those who saw this program about Satanism, said at the end of the program, this young man said, wait a minute. You've told us all about what's happening in the world of Satanism. But you have not told us how to get out of it. And he said, I want to tell you how to get out of it. He said, I have found the Lord Jesus Christ. And my life he's changed he's in prison he's going to be executed maybe he just said this but i whether he just said it or not that is the answer that is the answer the Lord Jesus Christ can deliver from every kind of cult, from every kind of religion, from every kind of of unbelief, and can plant in a person's soul the desire for things that are more than just the things of this world. God, help us! Help us! Help us, is my cry. Amen. I really want to see God move. Take hold of us. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. In a dark moment in my life, when I was so filled with darkness, amen, I began to sing, in the name of Jesus, there's power to set you free. And when I began to really believe that, Amen. The power of God struck my life and I began to praise Him in the dance and in the shout. Hallelujah. And victory came. And so if you're facing whatever you're facing, Amen. This kind cometh forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. This kind. Amen. The world is more than just asleep. It is doped and unconscious. It is sick Sick. The immorality that's going on today and the, the, the many things that's happening today is bringing about such a sickness. But there is a way. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. And I'm believing God for greater things. He said, Greater works that I do shall you do. And greater than I do. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. I don't believe He would have predestined a church and not gave us the sufficient power to take the world. Amen. He would not have predestined a church and left us powerless. But it's up to us. Praise God. It's up to us. Let's lift our hands and praise the Lord. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. name, name praise God praise God praise God Woo, hallelujah 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 praise God praise God praise God amen I believe we can claim it in the name of Jesus amen praise God hallelujah there was a doctor by the name of Dr. Kane. I believe he was about 60 years old. He had become quite concerned with the fact that general anesthetics was having its problems. He was a surgeon. He had operated and performed surgery one after another he decided that there was an anesthetic a local anesthetic that could be administered that the patient could remain awake and still be operated on because the general anesthetics was causing people to die and some of them even to be paralyzed and so he uh, he put forth an announcement that He wanted someone who was willing to undergo surgery with local anesthetic, let him perform the surgery, and uh, uh, not many was willing. But finally, a patient was found, and the day was set. This Dr. Kane had performed 4,000 aphidectomies in his medical practice, 4,000 aphidectomies. And so uh, the patient was made ready, wheeled into the operating room, and the doctor made the incision, excised the appendix under local anesthesia, sewed the incision back up, and in a few days, a week or so, the patient was fully recovered. This was in the year of 1921, and the doctor and the patient were one and the same. Dr. Cain had operated on himself. So tonight, as we come to this portion of the service, I want you to perform surgery on yourself. Amen. And the scripture says, but let a man examine himself, but let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. Yeah, surgery is not all that easy, and it can be painful, but we we better operate on ourselves. There is a particular significance in this type of service in that we are not examining others, but we are examining ourselves. I don't want to be responsible for you in examining you. And I don't want you to feel that you have to be responsible in examining me. Of course, we are all known by our fruits. But I want to examine myself. I know myself better than you know me. And you know yourself better and I know you. And when we come to this solemn time and we realize that Jesus was broken for us, amen, and that we can have through his brokenness the oneness and the sameness with him. You know, oftentimes and usually in years gone by, the Lord's Supper and foot washing was taken at the same time, and uh, it was a beautiful time. It was a lengthy service until we practically cut out having them together. We still have foot washing. We still believe in foot washing. A group of Asian pastors was asked uh, what incident in the life of Christ impressed them the most. And after a long pause, they answered, "His washing his disciples' feet. To the oriental mind, for a great teacher to take the place of a slave and perform a menial task, to them was more wonderful than Jesus stilling the storms or healing the demoniac or even calling Lazarus back to life. In their minds, to see a great teacher take a towel and wash his students or his disciples' feet. Well, we're not going to take the Lord's Supper and the foot washing together tonight. It is just the Lord's Supper. But when you think of the two, the Lord's Supper shows our relationship to the Lord, and the foot washing shows our relationship to one another. When you're willing to wash my feet, I'm willing to wash your feet. But though we're not having the foot washing tonight, we can show our relationship one to another. For after we have partaken of these symbols, we can have a kind of a love feast, and I want you to, where you will show appreciation to each other, and that you do not feel that you're better than anybody, that you are going to, in honor, prefer one another. Praise God. So if an Asian mind would be so impressed with all the things that Jesus did with the fact that he would take a towel and wash his disciples' feet, then we are not only impressed by that, but we're impressed more so by the fact that he would go to the cross when he didn't have to do it. I should have been crucified. I should have been crucified. But Instead, he was crucified for me. Praise God. After Israel had left Egypt, a severe test came to them, and they went three days in the wilderness. And they found no water. Then they came to the waters of Marah. Remember, those waters were bitter. They became sick when they drank. They were in such distress that they cried unto Moses, And Moses, in turn, cried unto God. And he gave them what is called a statute and an ordinance. That means a fixed law. God had a fixed law by which he made those bitter waters sweet. Praise God. They took a broken limb, a tree, and cast it into those waters and they became sweet. Praise God. That tree, amen. And that broken tree foreshadowed the broken body of Christ. The bitter waters become sweet through His broken body. He was wounded for our transgressions. With His stripes we are healed. The ordinance required that a tree be broken and cast into the water. When you read on in the Old Testament, you come to Second Kings. In the days of Elisha, there was a famine in the land, and a pot of pottage was being prepared for the sons of the prophets. One son found some fine-looking gourds and put it in the pot. They soon discovered that it was poison. They cried out to Elisha, and he again was directed by the Spirit. He brought meal and cast it into the pot, and he said, Pour out for the people that they may eat. And there was no harm in the pot. Here, the same statute and ordinance is applied. Did not Jesus liken himself to a corn of wheat? Amen. Meal is made by breaking the whole grain, casting it in to whatever area is needed. Some of you are suffering. Sister Miller's testimony touched me tonight. I know this year has been a trying year, but not only for her and Brother Miller, but for some of you. Hey, there is a broken tree There is the meal. Cast it. Cast it. Amen. Praise God. And then in 1 Corinthians, Paul repeating the words of Jesus, Take, eat. This is my body which is broken for you. This is my body. Amen. Jesus had known that he was to be bruised and that he was to be broken. And on the basis of his stripes, that we would receive our healing. Praise God. Amen. And His wounds, we would receive our transgressions forgiven. Hallelujah. Amen. The broken tree, the broken corn, and the broken body. Praise God. So we must understand that when we come to this table tonight in just the next few moments. It's the broken emblems. Amen. The mashing of the grapes to bring forth the fruit of the vine and the broken bits of bread is all a type and cast it now into your area of bitter waters and pottage that is poison to your soul cast it there let it be a healing bomb. May from this service on. You not only know that Satan is out there working, but you in your life are submitted to Him through your likeness to Him, and you can meet whatever situation that will come your way. Amen. Amen. To show how essential it is to act on God's statutes, Paul urged the necessity of discerning the Lord's body when partaking of the Lord's Supper. Amen. It should be the means of imparting healing for the sick. The Christians in Corinth perhaps failed to discern this, and uh, for this cause many were sick and weak among them, and some even slept. Let us tonight cast in the broken body. Let's have the bitter waters to become sweet, the poison to be made good, the loneliness to be taken care of. The fear and the doubt and the whatever to be all taken care of tonight. We need tonight in this service to follow Abraham's example. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. Praise God. Let's lift our hands to praise Him. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Lord, help us tonight to realize what we are about to do. Amen. And that you have a statute and an ordinance of brokenness. That's what it's all about. Until we are broken, amen, we cannot be like you who was broken for us. Except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. My God, help us tonight, I pray, in Jesus' name. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. And now, with the help of the musicians, and I'm going to ask the regional executive presbyters to come, and or rather the regional field supervisors, excuse me, to come and help us as we administer this Lord's Supper. Amen. Brethren, if you will come now, and what we're going to do is we're going to stand. Let's all stand together. And we're going to walk around. We can make two circles and do it.